We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app welcome to overnight america with ryan Recker on kmox sponsored by michael's flooring the flooring experts michaelsflooringoutlet.com And welcome back to Overnight America. These things, they just go by so quick. Later, we're going to get an update in the county with our friend uh, Tom Sullivan. So he's always watching what's going down. And certainly county council had a lot to uh, do today and a lot on their hands. Joining us now is a public policy analyst, an economics expert, and also a professor of finance at Stockton University, Dr. Michael Bussler. Thanks for coming back on to KMOX. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. As you know, it's always my pleasure to be here. When we look at the economy and the way that it's been changing, the stock markets continue to rise. We're starting to see the economy continuing to recover. And I'm curious how that is tied in to the cost of goods, the things that we consume every day. So um, look at the big picture here for a minute. So we went into a very steep but short-lived recession in March, last March and April. We came out of it uh, very well starting in May up till about September, things leveled off a little bit in September, but we still had solid growth. Um, The economy now is starting to reopen. I think the first quarter of this year, we'll see about a 5% annual growth rate. And assuming um, the vaccines get out by May and and June um, and the economy fully reopens, I think this year we're probably looking at about a 7% uh, annual growth rate. Now, that's uh, the best we've had really since the mid-80s, the last time we had a growth rate uh, this strong. So the question is, do we need the next $1.9 trillion stimulus Mm -hmm. package that they're talking about? Um, We really don't need that now. And um, by passing that much and putting that much money out, um, there is a big fear of um, that causing inflation, uh, which is what you originally asked about. Uh, so that can be very inflationary. The, the other um, problem we have that may also be inflationary is the current administration uh, really doesn't like fossil fuels. Um, and as a result of that, they've canceled the pipeline and they've uh, limited some drilling on um, government-owned lands. Um, I don't know if you bought gasoline lately, but you probably noticed it's about <laughs> 30, 40 cents a gallon, more than oh, yeah. it was a month or two ago. And that's likely to continue. And when energy prices go up, it tends to push all, all prices up. So I'm fearful of inflation rearing its ugly head. 
Yeah, and a lot of people point out the fact of how much of the goods that are uh, consumed are delivered to us anymore. And just naturally speaking, you have to transport the goods from somewhere to somewhere else. And then eventually that somewhere else to somewhere else. And then finally it finds its way to your house or you go to the store where it's been delivered to. So there's always a cost when it comes to the whatever it takes when it comes to gas that will have to be passed on to the consumer. I noticed this too. Um, some people point out, hey, inflation's a good thing. Inflation's something that's an indicator that the economy is doing better. Thus, when you have a better economy, inflation starts to happen. Do you look at inflation as a good sign or a bad sign? A, a little bit of inflation is not necessarily a bad thing. I think the best thing is to have um, stable prices. I think that that's best for the all markets. But um, coming out of a recession and looking to uh, expand and, and see the economy grow, if you see signs that uh, prices are starting to go up, it means that uh, there's more demand in the economy and people are buying more things, they're spending more, more money, and that should lead to, to growth, should lead to growth. The, the issue is here that um, in order for business to respond to the demand, by making more output and leading to, to growth, they essentially need two things, uh, capital and labor. Now, there's un- plenty of unemployment, so there's labor around. The problem is the federal government keeps running up these huge deficits. Last year, a $3 trillion deficit. It's at least $1 trillion so far this year, and now they're talking about a $2 trillion stimulus package. The problem is when the government keeps... Um, deficit spending, and in order to finance that, they sell bonds. And when they keep pulling this much capital out of uh, capital markets, there's a fear that um, it will lead to a shortage so business won't be able to access capital. And if they can't access capital, they can't grow. And if they can't grow, they can't increase the supply to meet the demand. What happens is you get higher prices, and you could get a uh, somewhat stagnant economy. So that's that's what my fear is. I don't think that'll uh, happen this year. I think this year looks very good. But going forward with um, these policies, I'm fearful of too much inflation and even a stagnant economy. Dr. Michael Bustler joining us on Overnight America. And you mentioned policies on the legislative side. We're starting to see a lot of the different policies of the Trump administration either get executive ordered out. And some of these other trade deals and things, the way that we negotiate with other countries, things that were favorable for us the last couple of years and help contribute to bring companies back into the United States or at least make it more attractive to take your company out of China and bring it back either to here or Canada or Mexico, hopefully the United States. But still, you start to see some of these things rolled back or changed the administration wants to handle it differently what scares you what could uh, what could happen in the next year that could actually hurt some of the projected growth so um what the trump administration stress in stress particularly in foreign trade was we want as much free trade as possible and free trade means it has to be fair so when he got in, into office, he, he looked at every virtually every one of our trade agreements, and everyone was lopsided in favor of our trading partner, for instance, uh, with China. Um, they, we uh, make a car in the U.S., sell it in China. They charge a 25% tariff. 
they make a car in China, sell it in the U.S., we charge a 2.5% tariff. So mm-hmm. virtually all of our trade deals were lopsided like that, and President Trump stood up to these uh, every, in every case. And we, we had a new agreement with China and Mexico uh, replacing NAFTA. There's a new agreement he put in place with uh, uh, South Korea and Japan, and he was negotiating, at least starting to, with China until this uh, virus hit. So as long as um, we try to get free trade and fair trade, um, that should benefit uh, everyone. Keeping up with these lopsided deals or going back to these lopsided deals, um, which were it looks like uh, Biden may be uh, heading in that direction, is certainly counterproductive for the U.S. long term interest. Yeah, we got to be realistic, too, because there's a lot of push for raising the minimum wage, federally speaking, that had a lot of pushback. And it doesn't look like it'll be included inside of this next stimulus package. However, it could be a big legislative priority for the Biden administration, which scares a lot of small businesses. We also see things like, you know, signing an executive order, which uh, canceled the pipeline. And next thing you know, 10 to 15,000 jobs were wiped out. And the cost of energy, you brought that up at the start of the interview, where we have rising energy costs and how that impacts everything else. So some of the different priorities, these are things, too, that seem to be impacting the projected growth. But in particular, the raising of the federal minimum wage, some people say it's not going to be a big deal. Honestly, it's it's well overdue is what they say. But uh, then you have other people that look at it and say, well, it may be fine if you're in a large area that can sustain it. But if you're a small business in a rural area, this is going to be deadly. So how do you see that playing into this? Well, I think you're right. The uh, minimum wage should be set by uh, state, which is how we have it. Now we have a national floor, and then each state uh, determines what their minimum wage should should be. And some states it should be uh, higher, and some states lower. The problem is, in in many areas, look, fifteen dollars an hour ends up costing the employer thirty three thousand dollars a year to hire somebody. With all due respect who has absolutely no skills, absolutely mm-hmm. no skills. Those are minimum wage jobs. Who somebody, uh, somebody who literally can't do anything and has to, and again, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just uh, looking at the way the facts are. And the em- employer has to uh, train that, that uh, person, and they may or may mm-hmm. not work out. The idea of minimum wage is to get in there, learn how to do something, learn a skill, and then you're worth more and you don't have to work at the minimum wage. You'll be able to work at higher wages. Raising a a $15 minimum wage would kill, the CBO says, 1.4 million jobs. I think they're way low in their estimate. It would uh, kill a lot of jobs. It would also increase the movement from labor to capital. So what does that mean? So you go into a um, McDonald's, and instead of talking to, to somebody, you uh, go up to a touchscreen and you order through a touchscreen. And instead of handing somebody money or your credit card, that's done through a touchscreen, too. So as um, those minimum wages go up, it becomes cheaper for uh, the restaurant to have these touchscreens installed and you end up losing jobs. That's why so many jobs end up being uh, lost. Let the market determine what the wage is. Look, Amazon... Uh, because they're trying to attract good workers, they set their starting wage at $15 an hour. Costco just said they're going to start their starting wage at $16 an hour. So just let the marketplace determine 
what the wage should be, and I think we're be- everybody is better off. Yeah, the next big thing for McDonald's we talked about just a couple of days ago is they're going to start to put in artificial intelligence at the drive through So when you go through, as opposed to talking to a person, you talk to the Siri or Alexa, whatever McDonald's would get, <laughs> and you would directly tell it. It would put your order up there. You'd confirm it and be done. So that would eliminate the person that takes your order. So even if it's not a touchscreen situation, there's other things that they're looking into, and it doesn't have to be a pricey robot software for something like that could probably be affordable and multiplied across all their things. And that probably eliminates a job at every McDonald's and think about how many those are. And then maybe even more. So uh, by the way, you you write for all kinds of different, I mean, you have columns in different places. If people wanted to find your work online, where can they find you? So the easiest thing, uh, if you go to my Twitter account, it's at M Bustler, that's at M B U S L E R. And on Facebook, uh, it's facebook.com slash Funding Democracy, Funding Democracy. So if you have a Facebook page, just search for Funding Democracy. My columns will come up there and you can read every one. And I'd be happy if anybody followed me. Political and economics analyst, Dr. Michael Bussler. Thank you again for coming on to KMOX. Thank you, Ryan. It was my pleasure. He is someone that does it so good, explaining some very complex concepts when it comes to our economy. He joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. This is Overnight America, KMOX. St. Louis's morning news. Total information AM. Weekday mornings at 5 on KMOX and KMOX.com. Texas and Mississippi lifting the mask mandates, rolling back COVID restrictions like some other states, too, starting to roll back some of the restrictions. Why is it that the floodgates were opening today when it came to COVID? Welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker on Facebook, Ryan Recker Radio. We could uh, complain about things online together if you want a partner in arms when it comes to complaining. Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook, (laughs) including complaining about social media sites. So Governor Abbott said today, 100 percent of Texas opening up, also lifting the mask mandate is Mississippi. I think Michigan was another state that came out and said they're opening the possibility of what half. So they're going to open up all businesses, but only half capacity or something along those lines. There's a few different states that decided to piggyback on this and Texas being one of the forefront ones. I find that the timing of all of this is interesting with the vaccine going down and we have our own issues with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine in that news at KMOX.com. St. Louis Archdiocese warns against taking morally compromised Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Local Catholics are warning about the way the moral and ethical concerns about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, as we're being told that they're going to be readily available to anyone that wants them in the next couple of months. Dr. Fauci, by the way, uh, describing and talking about mixing the vaccines or comparing them. We've got to get away from that chain of thought, uh, George, for the following reason. The only way you really know the difference between vaccines is by comparing them head to head. We have three highly efficacious vaccines that are safe and efficacious. I like that. That's safe and efficacious? That are safe and efficacious. That sounds like a podcast name, doesn't it? Safe and efficacious or a book title or if you are in college, or perhaps trying to get your doctorate, this would be what you'd have to write and it would be put up against the board standards. Safe and efficacious. That's the bottom line. And the J&J, if you look at them, particularly in things that we really care about that are important, it's got greater than 85% efficacy after uh, severe disease and critical disease. And there were no deaths or hospitalizations in any of the countries that were tested. And remember, they tested in the United States, in South Africa, and in South America. 
This is a good vaccine. I think we need to pull away from this comparing and parsing numbers. Well, the archdiocese here uh, disagrees, and it says, much like the AstraZeneca vaccine, a cell line derived from an aborted child seems to have been used in the development and production of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, making it morally compromised. In regards to the AstraZeneca vaccine, Archbishop Chairman of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, this would be uh, Joseph Newman, said that the pro-life activities say that the vaccine should be avoided if there are alternatives like Pfizer and Moderna available. This applies to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine as well. And as Catholics, they face the situation where they're only offered a choice between Johnson & Johnson. Uh, They should not prevent Catholics from getting vaccinated. However, if they have a choice, they should look another way. Um, That's an interesting thing because we're talking about a big body. The Archdiocese of St. Louis is a large organization. And Joe Biden came out today and said the U.S. expects enough COVID vaccines for everyone. The Johnson and Johnson by the end of May. We're uh, pretty close to the end of May. It's uh, March 2nd right now. So just a few months away, they hope to get these out. And he says that's progress. But the moral side of things is what's concerning to a lot of different people. The timeline being sped up uh, now that we have more alternatives before it was a two vaccine game between Moderna and uh Pfizer, and it seems Pfizer was the one, not only the one that got out there first, but seems to be the one whenever I ask someone, hey, who, uh, where did you go and what vaccine did you get? They almost always say Pfizer. I don't know anyone that has taken the Moderna one yet. It seems like Pfizer jumped on that. But the Johnson and Johnson, one of the big advantages is the storage, the sake that you don't have to have it in a specialized freezer container in order to distribute this stuff, which made it a lot easier to get it out as fast as possible. So the White House said it's utilizing the Defense Production Act to help with the Johnson and Johnson product and manufacture these. USD uh, granted emergency use to Johnson and Johnson just this past weekend. So that's why they're expecting it to get out as fast as possible, too. I um. I, I find this interesting with the archdiocese, mostly because we had a caller the other night bring this up and specifically mention it. It was the first I heard of it. I didn't realize this was something on the radar. And the archdiocese says vaccines for COVID-19 should be safe, effective, and develop, produce, and distribute it in an ethically acceptable manner. And when you're talking about an aborted child and using that as part of the vaccine, that does make a lot of people hesitant, including myself. It makes me uh, double think Maybe I don't want to do the Johnson and Johnson. Maybe I would uh, opt for a different one. Also, I am at the age and the risk level where I'm not first in line, nor would I want to jump in line. I'm still working from home. All of these things are still far down the line for me. I just like, well, I like what appealed to me was the one shot. Give me the one and be done. So I don't have to wait and go in a giant line. And and that's, that's what appealed to me. But when I see something like this, I'm going to double think it. Uh, real quick, let's go to Dave who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Hi, great show this evening. Thanks. I wanted to comment about the lady who was on there, the professor from Vanderbilt that wrote the book on homelessness. And Yeah, Dr. Shin. Every, yes, go ahead. Yes, and every, th- every time I hear this, this to me is just an example of what happens when left-wing theory gets into practice. And I mean, what I mean by that is, the idea that if we just had more homes and affordable housing, all that, all this would be solved is absolutely ridiculous. That is a problem. There's no doubt about that. But the reality is, is that most of these people suffer from either A, mental illness, B, drug abuse, or C, alcohol abuse in very, very drastic forms of, of these things. And, I mean, if you handed them a home with a key and everything, I mean, 
you think they would they're just going to live as normal people and cut the lawn and keep the home up and so on and so forth? I mean, that's insane. Mm. Yeah, the other thing is, I mean, when you talk about all this affordable housing or whatever, yeah, we do need a lot more of that. But this basically goes back to the early 80s when judges ruled that people cannot be held against their will and let a lot of people out that had serious mental disorders, and they ruled they couldn't be held. And so this is kind of, it's just evolved and morphed into what we have today. And I lived on the West Coast for 20 years. I just saw the problem grow and grow and grow and grow. I mean, San Francisco and L.A. now, I mean, some places oh, yeah. it's not even livable there. Yeah, let me uh, point out real quick, uh, and I will say this, it, opportunities, when you take opportunities away from people to be able to provide for themselves, like we've seen during this pandemic, it makes things uh, very difficult for people to get back on their feet, and they become more dependent on things like this. I'm not opposed to saying that the government could help you with certain things, but to say that the government is going to offer the right and say that you have a right to it, thus a landlord is forced to go against something that they see as a risk, that could be concerning. And I also hate the idea uh, when you start to say that we can no longer have single-family homes because we saw that in certain areas. They say in order to cut down on the cost of housing, we need to make it so we jam as many people into units onto as small of lots as possible because the all the because what you're doing is you're making it too difficult for other people to find places to live and then ultimately you're you're trying to force out single family homes i see that as a something that you don't want to try to sacrifice to solve homelessness and yeah i i see the opportunities being the biggest issue when when you take away their abilities to provide for themselves that causes the biggest problems we certainly had a lot of that in the last year no doubt about it. What she was talking about years ago where they had more low-income housing than they had people, well, they had a word for a lot of that. It was called ghetto. You never hear that word anymore. But, I mean, look at look at St. Louis. Pruitt, I go. I mean, how did that all yes. work out? You, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, the 50s. Big debacle. Right. I mean, yeah. Um, and that only lasted a few years. And, and I mean, in the fifth, was it the fifties? There's been documentaries about 60s, just what a failure that was. 60. Late sure. 50s, All right, uh, 60s, right. Uh, Dave, thank you for your call. We got to go to the weather and we have a guest right after the break, but maybe we talk about homelessness. And if you wanted to comment on that, we can do that later in the show. But joining us is our local uh, watchdog here, Tom Sullivan on County Council. What happened today in their decision on the disputed chair? We know that went to court. What was uh, the outcome of that? He'll tell us after the break on Overnight America came T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Cardinal Spring Training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons. And on Cardinals Open Live, sponsored in part by T.R. Hughes Homes. On your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back. It's Overnight America. He's a local watchdog, someone that we love to bring on the show because he pays close attention to county politics. Tom Sullivan, how are you tonight? I am doing fine, Ryan. So over the past week, how many autographs have you signed after your appearance on Elliot Davis's You Paid For It? Uh, nobody, nobody requested any. So, but nobody. <laughs> we can chalk that up to the pandemic because they're afraid to approach you. You know, they got to stay six feet and all. But the uh, <laughs> county council getting a couple of different things today. There was a court decision, and up in contention was the chair. Was it a vote that should have happened or legally could have happened where they made a determination earlier? It was brought up in front of a judge, and the court decision came out today. That is correct. This has been this has been a fight going on now for a couple of months, and the court finally ruled today as to who's the chair, and they decided that Rita Days is the chair and Mark Harder is the vice chair, and the court ruled against Lisa Clancy, uh, who was trying to trying to be the chair, and uh, Ernie Trakis as, as as vice chair. This has been uh, quite a battle after. After they uh, started fighting in, in, uh, at the end of December, they went into the January, and some of the meetings were like uh, wrestling matches. Finally, the uh, county councilor actually filed a lawsuit against some of the uh, council members, which is certainly a very strange uh, undertaking. And uh, so after all that, then they had to go out in the, the county, or I should say the county taxpayers have to pay for the legal representation for the ones on the council who are being sued. And uh, that's going to be a nice, uh, nice amount. And finally, though, it came down to the, the judge rule this morning. And uh, thankfully, it is uh, it is all over. So what do you think that means? Because when the way that they changed the uh, rules last year, and maybe you can probably explain that a little bit better. So there was an overlap based on a vote versus when the term of a county council member ended. But however, the term officially ended. I think the court recognized that the term was end, ended when that person decided to cast a vote. And that's why they said, no, that's not how it works. We're going to make sure rid of days. Uh, it, we're moving forward in that direction. So does that set a precedent now trying to interpret the when there's a conflict between those two laws, the way it's written and the, the way the charter looks? Well, it's not much of a conflict, but it's, it's just you cannot end your uh, you cannot end your term. Or, or at least when your term legally ends, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to stay on the council for another week or so uh, in order to help out, uh, help one of the council members become uh, the council chair. Uh, you just can't do it. And, and I don't know, you know, they, they knew when they, when they were uh, started it that I think their chances were very slim. Uh, I mean, this is not a, this is not a, a gray area. And uh, they went ahead anyway. And I think uh, Sam Page has a very vested interest and keeping control of the council, or at least the council chair, and uh, the county executive's office was more or less uh, 
the one behind the scenes orchestrating all this. So uh, I don't think there's going to be any any future doubt. I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever going to try it again. I don't know why it was even tried this time. Sure. So the county council meeting happened today. This was after the court decision. So how did that council meeting go? Council meeting went okay. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, static. Uh, after uh, the county executive gave his report, which he does at every meeting, Tim Fitch was uh, asking him some questions, and they got into it a little bit. Tim Fitch was saying, how can we trust the county counselor when, in fact, she's the one who, who said that all this was legal and, and you know, don't worry, and and, uh, and uh, Sam Page was, you know, he kind of fluffed it all off as, as politics, uh, and anytime he's asked uh, asked questions, and uh, he just didn't really didn't really answer. But here you are, you're members of the county council, and your own government is suing you, saying you oh this is you know you're in the wrong. And it turns out uh, they were not in the wrong. So uh, there's some bad feelings there. And uh, at the end of the meeting, everybody pledged to try to get along. But you know that doesn't. <laughs> I don't know how long that will last. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? Yeah. All right. Have there been any more political signs in the background of their videos? Uh, no, there's no political signs. It, it is interesting, though, that uh, Councilwoman Kelly Dunaway is a she got some notoriety when she was sworn in. Uh, she she was sworn in rather than a Bible. She used a Dr. Seuss book and uh, she got a lot of uh, static over that. And now it's coming out about uh, Dr. Seuss books are are supposedly have racist undertones or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, the, well, the oh, interesting thing was when when she was uh, when she was sworn in this last time, which is this year, she didn't go with the rest of the council. She was sworn in in secret. So I'm guessing she used the Dr. Seuss book, but she didn't want anybody to see it. So uh, yeah. that's probably why she did it in secret. Yeah, who knows if you can do that or not? You're right. No. Uh, public viewing or opportunity to see if that actually officially happened it was still kind of a weird thing. But uh, a few things that we've uh, been watching in what's going on in county politics, the situation with the auditor, has that been resolved yet? The auditor, uh, the matter still has not been resolved. As a matter of fact, on March 6th, which is Saturday, the county auditor will have held the job for four years. And I think for at least three of those four years, uh, they keep saying that they're going to get rid of him and get somebody else, but he is still there. Uh, so I don't know what's going to happen with that now, but it would, I would say that now that we have a court decision that some of the uh, some of the council committees will possibly get to work, and one of those committees has to do with, with um, looking into people that the council employs and, and when they need to replace them. The council only, only handles two employees. One is the council administrator and the other one is the county auditor. So I would think now that things have supposedly settled down that they will deal with that. But I mean, it's just incredible that this is going on as, as long as it has. Back in August, when they had the state audit report, the state auditor said, uh, you know, this is just uh, a bad situation where you have someone who is not even able to produce any audits that he's done. He hired people who are not qualified for the job, and uh, yet he still continues on. So now that there's a different look in the county council, the different chair situation, 
let's say that the city or I should mention the county gets more COVID funding added into the account. Is there going to be enough for them to reverse course? And what happened before was that uh, virtually no oversight. I mean, there was some oversight, but not really. The county council was cut out of how that funding would be spent. Is there enough votes to reverse that for the next round of stimulus money? Oh, I, I'm pretty sure that there is. Uh, I think that the council has decided that they need to they need to be the ones to provide the oversight. And of course, the one who should be most involved the most is the county auditor. And but he has not. And on the state level, the state auditor every month comes out with a uh, audit report on the state money, the, the state uh, the money that the state has gotten from the federal government for for the COVID work. And uh, that's something that the county should be doing, but of course they are not. Yeah. And uh, anything else that's left that has not been resolved? Think something that should be on the burner that they're not giving close attention to? Well, I would say that we're, they need to get into the uh, economic development partnership. Uh, that's the one that Elliot Davis did the story on where you know, they're spending huge amounts of money and they are uh, getting very little results. Perhaps the most incredible thing was they're spending $750,000 a year for office space in Clayton, and they have two different offices. Why they need two different offices, no one knows. Uh, they have quite a number of people on the on the payroll. The executives are making uh, pretty pretty big salaries. The uh, CEO is making two hundred sixty thousand, and they have all these these various uh, vice presidents. And uh, they have so they've been questioned quite a bit about about what they're accomplishing in St. Louis County. One of the big issues that they have is going to come up this week is Jamestown Mall. This is a big mall in North County that has it was closed in 2014, and it has become quite an eyesore. It's become quite an issue. The residents are irritated with it. They've had uh, sewer pipes break in the, at the center, had water pipes break. They've had a three-alarm fire, and it's you know it's just a, it's just a mess. So they're going to have a meeting on Thursday, and supposedly some of the people at the Economic uh, Development Partnership were going going to be there, and they're going to supposedly give some idea what they're going to be do what they're going to be doing with it all right um i like that they tried to pledge can't we all just get along can't we all just get along did they play that one song was it war who's the one that did that song before why can't we be friends that would be oh, the yeah, next step for them to play they could open and play that at the start of their next meeting not a bad idea all right so i'm glad that we have a resolution. The court decision didn't take too long. All things considered, a couple of months is not that long in the sense that uh, when the government's involved. So thank you so much, Tom Sullivan, coming on and talking about what happened with not only that, but the county council meeting today. Thanks a lot, Ryan. And I would also carry around a Sharpie just in case someone approaches you for an autograph. I mean, just uh, just to be safe. Uh, local watchdog. <laughs> Tom Sullivan on uh, County Politics joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. This is Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. Wow. Tom Sullivan, always a very good guest. We need to keep a close eye on what goes on in the county, considering how badly we were burnt during the Steve Stanger years. And the sad thing is we start to see some of the same type of things happening again. And we need to uh, make sure we're on top of that. And he is someone that definitely has been. A couple of updates here. 
and we're going to definitely take some of your calls in the next hour. But uh, to start off the 10 o'clock hour, Julie Willis is the CEO and founder of Defiant Communication and author of a book called Conceal Reveal. And the idea is, why is the U.S. military still not up to date when it comes to the technology they're using? I thought we just spent all of this money during the Trump administration to try to get ourselves back up and try to get ourselves caught on, on track. Maybe it was just more or less the planes and things that were being replenished. But what about the technology side? So we're going to spend some time talking about our military next hour, too. I saw this one. This is being reported all over the place, but Fox News has a good headline. Chris Cuomo blasted after telling CNN viewers he can't cover Brother Andrew's harassment scandal. Three accusers right now when it comes to Governor Andrew Cuomo out of New York. Here's what Chris Cuomo said on CNN. Before we start tonight, uh, let me say something that I'm sure is very obvious to you who watch my show. And thank you for that. You're straight with me. I'll be straight with you. Obviously, right, right away, does anyone believe that he's being straight with everyone here? You know, waiting this long to make a mention, but ah, either way. For that, you're straight with me, I'll be straight with you. Obviously, I'm aware of what's going on with my brother. And obviously, I cannot cover it because he is my brother. Now, of course, CNN has to cover it. So I can't cover it because it's my brother? Let's make a quick mental note here. CNN in their late night show hosts, the Anderson Coopers, the Don Lemons, the Chris Cuomo's of the world call themselves news anchors. They look at themselves as journalists. Why wouldn't a journalist be able to cover a news event? That's interesting, isn't it? Maybe they're not journalists. Maybe they finally have to come out and admit what everyone already knows, they're opinion makers, they're commentators. They are not news journalists. Of course, CNN has to cover it. They have covered it extensively and they will continue to do so. I have always cared very deeply about these issues and profoundly so. I just wanted to tell you that. I don't know. I mean, Part of uh, what's coming out with de Blasio, he's actually been <laughs> very forthright about the issues with Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York. And he's saying, I, I've seen this. I've witnessed him being creepy. This isn't new. You're telling me, Chris Cuomo, you and your brother, you had no indication your brother acted inappropriately. Either that or you witnessed it, didn't see it as something that was inappropriate. And you were either excusing the behavior as normal or acceptable or maybe you were partaking in the behavior. Maybe that's part of it, too. So is it part of the reason why you're not going to talk about it on your show? Because, you know, you're quote unquote a news journalist or a news anchor, whatever you, CNN calls you. Is part of the reason because you're complicit in it and they're afraid that you might get yourself into some trouble and they don't want to lose you? Or could it be possible that somehow you'll be implicated in some of this? Maybe you'll become the news story. So you don't want to say anything that'll get you in trouble. Legally speaking, is that possible? But this love affair, him and his brother joking around, doing all these different things, everyone looked at that and cringed. But keep in mind, Governor Cuomo out in New York, they saw these things as this is the this is the savior of the party. This is who we want to see as the leader. Why can't we have more leaders like Andrew Cuomo running for office? And I think you see why. Uh, probably the things that most insiders already knew. I just wanted to tell you that there's a lot of news going on that matters also. So Let's get after that. 
All right, so let's ignore the problems with the family right now. <laughs> okay, whatever. I think everyone realizes that uh, there's a time to mock the stupidity around the idea that you're not allowed to cover a newsworthy event because you're not a journalist. Uh, we get that. Just, just admit it. Right after the break, we'll talk about the military, the technology, and are we up to date with Julie Willis. This is Overnight America, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 